So what is a minister? A steward of the mysteries of God. Isn't that interesting? Look at the next verse. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know what I was thinking about as I read that verse? I hadn't noticed that verse until an hour ago. Um, and, you know, I've known about these mysteries for years and years. How many of you have heard me mention that there are seven mysteries in the Bible? I've said it to you over and over again, but we've never actually looked at them. You know, individually we've looked at them and we've talked about a particular mystery. But to actually look at them um, and make you aware of them, we've not done that. You know what I just realized when I saw this verse? That I've not been a faithful minister of the gospel by not doing that. You can't be a faithful steward of something you're not aware of. Amen? And stewardship is being put in trust with something. How, how many of you are glad your money's not in a bank in Cyprus right now? You know, Dan knew he's got that money for the new building project, but it was all over in Cyprus, so we're not going to be able to have that now. You know, he was going to pay for our new building, write that check, right? <laughs> you know what the only good news is? You know, it's all these Russian criminals. They had their money in Cyprus. So all those, all those oligarchs, you know, and with their dodges in the country, they lost their money. And I guess I should feel bad about that, but I really don't. But the idea is when you put your money in a bank... You are, you are giving them, you are trusting them with that. That's the idea of stewardship. And the Bible says that, that God has made us ministers and stewards of the mysteries of Christ. What mysteries? What mysteries? Go to Colossians 1. Colossians. We'll start here. Colossians chapter 1. And I'll try not to get bogged down. Colossians chapter 1. Look at what it says in verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you remember what Jesus Christ told the disciples about the Holy Spirit when He comes? The, 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 the Spirit, which is with you and shall be, in you. That was a mystery. They didn't have any, any concept of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Think about Samson. Samson, uh, he, he had his hair cut. And when the Philistines came, remember she yelled, the Philistines are here, or whatever, and he shook himself and wist not that the Lord had departed him. You know what's good about us? The Lord will never depart us. Amen. We have that indwelling Holy Spirit, that is a great mystery that Jesus Christ is in you. Now, I want you, to, I want you to see something. Go with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I want you to see what else is in you. Verse 21. Look at what it says in verse 20. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. 
I'm so glad Christ is in me because these other things are in me also. Now I want you to think about this great mystery. Remember, we looked at the mystery of godliness, how that's foolishness. Imagine the holy and righteous God, the one who cannot look on sin. Look at what He's chosen for His habitation. A sinful man, me and you. That is an amazing mystery. I was reading one guy, and he said, explain that. He said, you can stay up all night trying to explain that. You'll never explain it. That's why it's a mystery. It's an amazing thing that God has chosen to dwell in us. Um, we're going to look at another mystery, but I, I want this passage always jumps to my mind. You've seen it before. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Some of you have probably already thought about this. The amount of power it's going to take to change your vile body into a body like Jesus Christ's. Look at what it says in verse 21. Who shall change? We're looking for the Savior, Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. What kind of power does it take to change your or my vile body into Jesus Christ's body? The same power that it would take to subdue everything in the world. And that's the body that Jesus Christ has decided to come and live in when we're saved. That is a great mystery. The mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you glad you get to go to heaven? Amen. How many of you know people who believe that you can lose your salvation? You know people who believe that. You know what's great about that? I'm already in heaven. Uh, the Bible says, I think it's Ephesians 2.6, it says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm already in heaven. Christ in you, I'm in Christ. I'm already there spiritually. He's not going to kick you out of heaven. You're already there, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. That's the, that's the mystery of Christ in you. The second mystery I want to look at tonight is the mystery of Christ in the church, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 32. <clears throat> this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All right? The mystery of Christ and the church. Now, remember, this is a great mystery. This is something that, that nobody knew about, this whole concept of the church. It's something that was new. It was introduced as a mystery, and it was introduced to the Apostle Paul. Now, look at verse uh, 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. And looking around here, all you guys are doing very well at nourishing your flesh. Amen? How many of you are getting ready to go nourish your flesh some more here in a minute? How many of you are going to eat some leftovers? We had this good ham for lunch. I mean, it was so good you didn't know whether to eat it or rub it all over you. And we're going to go home and we're going to have some more of that. I think I'm just going to roll around in it a little bit. Just so good. All right, so now, look at this. So no man ever... How many think that was just a little bit too much information? All right. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. This is a great 
mystery, a great mystery. Verse 30, for we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. How does that work? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a great mystery. The Bible says we're part of His flesh and bones, part of Jesus Christ's flesh and bones. How does that work? I, I don't understand it. It's a great mystery. But just because I can't understand it, does that mean it's not true? No. No. It's a great mystery. You know, another, when you think about it, the husband and wife, the Bible says that when they, when they get married, they are one flesh. And yet, my wife is sitting over there and I'm over here. There's no blood. So how does that work? Uh, you know, when you think about what it says, look with me at, uh, oh, Genesis chapter 5. Verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. What is that? That's one flesh. Again, ladies, that's why you take your husband's name when you get married. Because of this verse right here. You are one flesh. God looks at you as a unit. Right? Just as the church is a part of Christ. Just as the church is a part of Christ. Praise the Lord. And it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen? Amen. That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a message here in a couple of weeks on this whole gay marriage conversation. Um, so, we need to pray for our country. It, it is, we are really in a mess. Look at 1 Corinthians six seventeen. This is interesting. So how does this concept work? Well, the Bible says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. One spirit. When the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that mystery, that now, you know, you have a spirit, and you have a quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. You are dead. You are dead. He made your spirit alive. But you don't necessarily have your own spirit now. Now you're one spirit with Christ. That's what it says right here. And look at the context. The context of this is marriage, the marriage relationship. So here's the idea. When God looks at Laura and I, He sees one spirit, one flesh. We're united spiritually, just like we're united to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. How does this work? Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Why? Because we're one spirit. We're one with Him. How many of you are ready for the Lord to come back? Amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Then, look at the mystery of the restoration of Israel. The mystery of the restoration of Israel. He, uh, Romans eleven twenty-five. 25. I won't have to spend much time here because we've looked at this quite a few times recently. Romans eleven twenty-five. Mystery of the restoration of Israel. Man, I tell you, by the time God started working with the church, it would sure look like He was done with Israel. If you went through the Dark Ages and you saw the way that Israel was being treated, you would think that God was done with Israel. 
But that's simply people who didn't believe the mystery. Look at what it says in verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of what? This mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance." So it's very clear that God is not finished with Israel. The mystery is that He is going to restore them to become a new nation. Now look, until, was it 1913, the Balfour Declaration? No, whatever the actual date was, 1918. Whatever that date was, nobody could have imagined Israel becoming a nation again. No one could have imagined it. And I want you to think about every nation that turned against Israel. You know, if you think about uh, uh, you know, 1492, Columbus... All right, so what happened? 1492 was also the beginning of the pogroms in, in uh, Spain and Portugal, and they were killing all of the Jews. And so what's the next thing that happened? They were destroyed. They were destroyed. They haven't been in power in more than 300 years. Nobody's afraid of Spain. No one's afraid of Portugal. As a matter of fact, their economies are on the, the verge of collapse today. And you look at the world economy, there's those pigs, the pigs countries, Portugal, um, Italy, Greece, and Spain. They're just... All of these Roman Catholic countries, they're falling like this. They're falling like this. Why? Heading into that one world government, that one world economy. And they, they have been destroyed ever since uh, the way that they treated Israel. I, think, I want you to think about England. Think about what happened with England. England did not want to allow... Winston Churchill was against allowing the, Israel to go back into the land. He, was, he did not like that Palestinian mandate. He didn't like it at all. So what did he do? He put barbed wire on the shores. So when they landed on the shores, they couldn't land. They went back to Germany and were put in the, in the ovens. It was terrible. It was terrible. How strong is England now? They're not. They're not. What's going to happen to America if we keep going down the path where we're going? Uh, bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. Genesis 12.3. It's still in the Bible. It's still true. The mystery of the restoration of Israel. For those gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Then look at the mystery of Babylon the Great. Revelation 17. Revelation 17. Are you all amazed over and over again at how fascinating it is when you just trace a word through the Bible? Pray for me as I'm writing this book. I'm trying to get this book finished. Um that's introducing some of this stuff as a part of it. Uh, pray that it can be a help in some of these colleges. Amen? Just pray. Um, the number one question that I get when I travel is, where can I find this information? And you can't. You can't just point them to a book and hand it to them. So pray for that. All right, Revelation chapter 17, look at verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. What's that speaking of? Look at verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw, what's it say? A woman 
a woman. So this is a woman, but look at verse 18. See if we can learn something more about this mystery Babylon the Great. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. A city. So you have a woman who is a city. This is a mystery, isn't it? It's a mystery. So what woman is a city? Well, the holy Catholic Church is the mother church. You see, what do they say about the Protestants? They're all going to come back to their mother. That's what they say. They're just, they're just wandering, wayward children. And then when you look at that it's a city, what city? Look at verse 18 again. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. What city reigns over the kings of the earth? Rome. That's it. That's it. And again, you can see that's where we're headed again. Remember what happened with John Paul II? John Paul II is probably the most popular pope that we've had, in, that we've had that's been in existence in hundreds of years. Right? And he was a communist. Very interesting. Then the next pope wasn't popular at all, Benedict. And now we have Francis who has given up his lavish lifestyle. He's living in a two-room apartment with other priests and he's you know washing people's feet and people are just... They're just in awe of this great new Pope who's calling people back to that Holy Mother Church. Let's see if we can learn anything else about uh, this Mother Church. Look at verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Remember that whole concept of the Eucharist? That God is in that cup? That's an abomination. That's blasphemy. That's filthiness. Is that right? And it's just over and over and over again. You see it all through the text. Look at verse 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. Fifty million people they killed just in the dark ages. Just in the dark ages. And it's coming back. It's coming back. It's going to happen again. And I wondered with great admiration, mystery Babylon, where is it? Look at verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, there are people that say that Rome's not really the city of seven hills or seven mountains because they're just little bumps. Well, I was just reading about, uh, uh, I was reading a book, it's called The Twelve Caesars by Suetonius. He wrote it. He died something like 117. So this guy wrote this at the time of the Caesars, and he was describing how Domitian, this emperor Domitian, was building a, a temple on one of the seven hills. That's what they were saying all the way back in the first and second century. And that's when this was written. This was written in 90 A.D. And that the, on the seven hills was written at 110, within 20 years of when this was written. It, is God's Word amazing? It's just unbelievable. And what, one of the problems that we have with people interpreting the Scriptures now is they know nothing about history. They know nothing about history. God says, remember the former things of old, for I am God. Isaiah 46, 9. Now, look with me at the last mystery. Well, it's one of the last mysteries. 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. This is the mystery of iniquity.
Look what the Bible says in verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. All right? So we're not going to explain all of that. But this mystery of iniquity is the Antichrist. The mystery of iniquity is the Antichrist. And it is amazing how much there is in the Bible about him. Now, we spent a bunch of time on Wednesday nights through that. So you can, you can get that information. But the mystery of iniquity is the Antichrist. And what the mystery of iniquity is, is this. Just as the, the mystery of Christ in you, it's amazing that God would be in man. The mystery of iniquity is Satan being in a man. And remember what happened when Judas betrayed Christ. Jesus said to Judas, whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. Jesus was in charge the whole time. Amen? And so Judas left and Satan immediately entered into him or entered into him immediately. Satan entered into Judas when he betrayed Christ. You think that, that, do you think that uh, Satan thought he had won? I wonder. I, I wonder. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. But that's the mystery of iniquity. Now, um, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. This is the mystery of the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15. Most of the time when we think of the rapture, we think of that 1 Thessalonians passage. You know, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout that we have on the plaque. How many of you can believe that I found that plaque... Uh, that that wood carved plaque with those with that passage on it that's out in the hall is that awesome? And those things are like five hundred dollars or whatever. And I found it at a clearance place out in Amishville for like eighty bucks. Man, that was God right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, some of you get excited about saving money. You don't care about the truth. I see this now. Okay, First Corinthians fifteen fifty one, the mystery of the rapture. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, that's the verse that we need to have on the wall in the nursery. Amen? Isn't that right? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. Look at that word. Say that out loud. Oh, isn't that awesome? Incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Is that just awesome? The mystery of the rapture. Can we understand how that's going to work and how everything's going to happen? No, all we know is that there's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel. And you ready for this? I think that's going to be loud. I think that's going to be loud. And all of a sudden, all the believers are going to be gone. If that happened right now, there might just be two or three of you sitting here. And everyone else gone. And you don't have any more chances. You're done. The mystery of the rapture. Those are the mysteries. The Bible says we're supposed to be faithful stewards of these mysteries. I hope you're holding on to them. And isn't it interesting... When you look at these mysteries, probably the only one of these mysteries that we don't talk about a lot was the Revelation 17. The rest of them we talk about constantly. Did you notice that? How many of you are pretty much familiar with every one of those? Not that they were a mystery, but with all those subjects. Why? Because that's the foundation of what we're supposed to believe. That's why the ministers have been made stewards of the mysteries. We've got to hold on to these things and teach them. But here's what happens. This is for all of us. How many of you knew something about all of those? Would you raise your hand? You knew something about all of those. 
right? And it just becomes, yeah, I know that. When this is amazing revelation from God, remember what a mystery is. It's truth that's been true since before the foundation of the world that could not be known unless God had revealed it to us. It's an amazing gift. Now, you ready for this? All of you are now stewards of this mystery. All of you are stewards of the mysteries. What are you going to do with them? You're going to be held accountable. All that is required of a steward is that he be found faithful. Will you be faithful at this? Tell somebody else. Teach someone else. Uh, just be thankful for it. Those seven mysteries. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word.